You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include the rail strike bill has been passed in the House, China is pressured to change their zero-tolerance policy after protests, and a man opened fire during rush hour traffic in Philly. Here's your national news recap for the week of November 27th. The House passed a bill to stop a nationwide rail strike. The move comes one day after President Biden met with top lawmakers to discuss the issue. In a statement on Monday, he urged Congress to take action to prevent what he called a potentially crippling national rail shutdown. The chamber voted 80 to 15 in favor of the bill that was passed Wednesday by the House. The measure now goes to President Biden for his signature. Biden and bipartisan congressional leaders stressed forcing the agreement through was necessary to avoid a major blow to the economy. Biden told reporters Thursday a strike would have triggered a recession. The Supreme Court will hear arguments on the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness plan. The court, in a brief Thursday, said it would hear arguments in February with a decision soon to follow. The plan will remain paused until the court issues its decision. The plan gives federal borrowers earning less than $125,000 per year up to $10,000 in debt relief with additional relief for Pell Grant recipients. U.S. Air Marshals may stage a mutiny on the Biden administration, saying they plan to refuse the mandatory deployment to assist with the influx of illegal immigration at the southern border, even if it means termination, the Washington Examiner reported. The tensions come as the Biden administration is preparing for a possible end of COVID-era border order known as Title 42. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security sought volunteers from the Federal Air Marshal Service to travel to the southwest border, but when fewer than 150 signed up in October, some were assigned, said Sonia Labosco, executive director of the Air Marshal National Council. In an interview with the Washington Examiner, David Londo, president of the Air Marshal National Council, said the rank-and-file air marshals are going to refuse to deploy and risk termination. You're almost going to have a mutiny of the federal agency, which is unheard of, he added. The Air Marshal National Council said the deployments would hurt U.S. aviation security during the holiday travel season and force marshals to take on unrelated duties at the border, including watching immigrant children. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the Respect for Marriage Act will be one of the last bills she signs as Speaker. The House is set to vote on the bill to codify the right to same-sex marriage Tuesday after it passed the Senate earlier this week. Pelosi called passage of the bill a major victory for freedom, dignity, and equality for all. She called it a great step forward as the measure was passed with bipartisan support. Significant new details emerged Wednesday about the baffling University of Idaho murders revealing that Kaylee Goncavs and her best friend Madison Mogan died together in the same bed. Police have yet to identify a suspect or zero in on a motive after the quadruple homicide. 
Late Wednesday night, Moscow police appeared to walk back their assertion that at least one victim was targeted. The clarification came after Lata County Prosecutor Bill Thompson told KTVB that investigators believe a specific person was the target. Detectives do not currently know if the residents or any occupants were specifically targeted, but continue to investigate, the Moscow Police Department said in a news release. Officials have also begun receiving results from forensic testing at a crime lab. Idaho State Police Communicators Director Aaron Snell declined to comment on whether the DNA that didn't belong to the victims or the two surviving roommates was found at the scene. Snell also revealed investigators made unsuccessful attempts to locate the shop where the suspect may have bought the fixed blade knife they believe was used in the attack. The city of Uvalde, Texas, is filing a lawsuit against its own district attorney over access to information regarding the Robb Elementary School shooting. The lawsuit accuses DA Christina Busby of blocking the city's ability to obtain critical information about the response by law enforcement to the shooting on May 24th. According to the lawsuit, Busby has significantly restricted an independent investigation into the shooting by not making evidence available. Busby has claimed that releasing the requested information could potentially traumatize the victims' families. The parents of a one-year-old boy are facing child cruelty charges in Bakersfield. The toddler suffered an apparent fentanyl overdose. According to court documents, prosecutors charged Gabriella Goldberg and John Lawson on November 8th, about 10 months after the toddler was treated for an opioid overdose. Their son was found unresponsive in the family's apartment. However, the child did survive. In addition to felony child cruelty, both are charged with possession of drugs and drug paraphernalia. Goldberg also faces a charge of destroying or concealing evidence. Lawson admitted he and Goldberg smoked fentanyl before the child was dropped off. According to investigators, the toddler was possibly exposed to fentanyl from a straw used for drugs found a few inches from where the boy was found. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Connor Brown with your international news report. All sources from Reuters. China is set to announce an easing of its COVID-19 quarantine protocols in the coming days and a reduction in mass testing, sources told Reuters. A marked shift in policy after anger over the world's toughest curbs fueled widespread protests. Cases nationwide remained near record highs, but the changes come as some cities have been lifting their lockdowns in recent days. And a top official said the ability of the virus to cause disease was weakening. Health authorities announcing the easing in their areas have not mentioned the protests. The biggest show is civil disobedience in China for years, which ranged from candlelit vigils in Beijing to street clashes with police in Guangzhou. The measures due to be unveiled include a reduction in the use of mass testing and regular nucleic acid tests, as well as moves to allow positive cases and close contacts to isolate at home under certain conditions. The sources familiar with the matter said that is a far cry from earlier protocols that led to public frustrations as entire communities were locked down, sometimes for weeks, even after just one positive case. The frustration boiled over last week in demonstrations of public defiance, unprecedented in mainland China since President Xi Jinping took power in 2012. The unrest comes as the economy is set to enter a new era of much slower growth than seen in decades. The sense of official momentum towards a landmark shift bill on Thursday, as Vice Premier Sun Chulan, who oversees COVID efforts, told a meeting of frontline experts that the Omicron variant was weakening in its ability to cause disease, allowing China to improve prevention efforts. State media reported Sun saying a day earlier that China was facing a new situation in its response to COVID and urged further optimization of testing treatment and quarantine policies. 
the mention of a weakening COVID pathogenicity contrast with previous messages from a usually hawkish son about the deadliness of the virus. For our second story of the day, a UN-appointed independent expert on Iran voiced concern on Tuesday that the repression of protesters was intensifying, with authorities launching a campaign of sentencing them to death. The United Nations says more than 300 people have been killed so far and 14,000 arrested in protests that began after the September 16th death in custody of 22-year-old Kurdish woman Masa Amini. I'm afraid that the Iranian regime will react violently to the Human Rights Council resolution, and this may trigger more violence and repression on their part, Javed Rahman told Reuters, referring to a UN Human Rights Council vote to establish a probe into the crackdown last week. Tehran has rejected the investigation and says it will not cooperate. Now, authorities have started a campaign of sentencing protesters to death, he added, saying he expected more to be sentenced. Already 21 people arrested in the context of the protest faced the death penalty, including a woman indicted on vague and broadly formulated criminal charges, and six have been sentenced this month, Roman said. The UN Human Rights Office confirmed in an email that one of those indicted for corruption on earth for publication of lies on a large scale was famous Iranian rapper Tamaj Salehi, citing a judicial official, Iran has blamed foreign foes and their agents for the unrest. Its judiciary chief last month ordered judges to issue tough sentences for the main elements of riots. Even before the unrest, executions were rising, and the UN human rights boss Volker Turk has said the number this year has reportedly surpassed 400 by September for the first time in five years. And for our final story of today, the president of the United States in France vowed to hold Russia to account for its actions in Ukraine, and the European Union reached a tentative agreement on Thursday on an oil price cap aimed at starving Moscow resources. Western powers are trying to rally support for Ukraine, which is reeling from massive near-weekly missile and drone attacks targeting power supply, water, and heat in its cities, just as winter has set in nine months into Russia's invasion. Russia, meanwhile, accused the United States and NATO of playing a direct and dangerous role in the war and said Washington had turned Kyiv into an existential threat for Moscow, which it could not ignore. Speaking after an Oval Office meeting with French President Emmanuel Macron, U.S. President Joe Biden said France and the United States are facing now Vladimir Putin's grasping ambition for conquest and defending the democratic values and universal human rights. Biden told reporters he was prepared to speak with Mr. Putin if, in fact, there is an interest in him deciding he's looking for a way to end the war, but added that Putin hasn't done that yet. There are no political talks under the there are no political talks underway to end the war, which Russia launched as a special military option, claiming its aim was to disarm its neighbor and root out leaders it characterizes as dangerous nationalist. Kiev and the West call it an imperialist land grab, which has killed tens of thousands of Ukrainian civilians and soldiers on both sides. Ukraine armed forces have lost somewhere between 10,000 and 13,000 soldiers so far in the war against Russia. And that was Connor Brown with your international news report. And now it's time for your weekly local news recap with me, El Lawton. A man opened fire during rush hour traffic in University City on Monday. Philadelphia police believe road rage contributed to the incident, which occurred on the 3400 block of Market Street around 6.30 p.m. The gunman was arrested and no one was hurt. An individual was caught on video firebombing an off-campus apartment occupied by Temple University students Wednesday night. The suspect remains unidentified and an investigation is underway. He was seen tossing a firebomb into the window of an apartment after exiting a nearby residence. No one was injured. 
Philadelphia police announced that they will reveal the identity of a young boy that was found dead nearly six decades ago next week. Authorities have found the birth certificate of the child who was formerly known as the boy in the box and know his name and relatives. New DNA technology allowed for this discovery in the case, and the young boy will now finally have a name on his headstone. The unlicensed scooter driver who fatally struck actress Lisa Baines is being sentenced to one to three years in prison. A state Supreme Court judge handed down the sentence to 27-year-old Brian Boyd on Wednesday. Boyd left the scene of the accident in June 2021, and surveillance video showed he ran a red light and struck Baines on a West 64th Street crosswalk. The 65-year-old actress died from her injuries 10 days after the accident. Baines appeared in the movie Gone Girl and dozens of other films, television programs, and stage shows. Several children were injured in a crash involving a school bus in Rockland County. Multiple reports say the bus struck a utility pole, a house, and a couple of parked cars, flipping one of them on Southgate Drive in New Hempstead. There were around 20 children on the bus and several were taken to hospitals, including two with serious injuries. The driver was also hospitalized. There is no word yet on what may have caused this crash. A mother and four of her children are expected to survive after a hit-and-run driver struck them Wednesday evening in Brooklyn. At least one of the kids was getting off a school bus at New York Avenue and Avenue J in Midwood when the driver hit the victims. The 41-year-old mother and her kids, ages 1, 3, 5, and 8, were all taken to the hospital. Three of the children were later discharged, while the mother and one child remained hospitalized in stable condition Wednesday evening. Police say they tried to stop a white Mercedes-Benz on Flatbush Avenue. The female driver drove away. She reportedly ditched the car about a mile away, and no arrests have been made. A 36-year-old Middletown resident was killed after an altercation in New Jersey parking lot on Wednesday. According to police, he was run over multiple times with a vehicle and was pronounced dead at the scene. The investigation is still ongoing. A 42-year-old Mount Olive salon supervisor was charged with second-degree sexual assault on Thursday. He is accused of assaulting a teenage employee at the salon, according to authorities. He is also charged with endangering the welfare of a child and four counts of fourth-degree criminal sexual contact. An appeals court judge is halting New Jersey's black bear hunt less than a week before it was supposed to begin. Last month, Governor Murphy requested the bear hunt be reinstated because of a spike in bear sightings and encounters across the state. However, animal protection groups opposed to the hunt have filed a lawsuit claiming the state illegally used its emergency powers without hearing from the public. The hunt was originally supposed to start December 5th, but is on hold as a judge considers the case and waits for a response from the state. A Burlington County man was sentenced to 14 days in prison for entering the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. The 30-year-old ex-Marine is to serve the sentence intermittently, followed by 36 months of probation. High inflation in New Jersey is affecting holiday shopping, according to Stockton University poll released on Monday. 39% of New Jersey adults surveyed said that inflation is significantly impacting holiday shopping. The poll also found that 42% described their financial situations as worse than last year. 47% claim that they are cutting back on everyday expenses to anticipate the high costs of holiday shopping. I'm Elle Lawton, and this has been your weekly local news recap here on Rowan Radio. I'm Dante DiValeria with your Rowan News. Two graduates of Rowan University's Rohr College of Business enter a new class for 2023, the Forbes 30 Under 30. Entrepreneurs Mike Lombardo, age 18, and Kayvon Jahan Bakish, age 19, started a healthful beverage company called Half Day Tonics while still undergraduates, and today sell their product line in more than 1,500 U.S. retailers, including Target and Publix. The company, which emphasizes low sugar and good-for-your-gut 
probiotics across its line of healthful teas received an early investment of $75,000 from the Roan Innovation Venture Fund that Lombardo said in August gave us a lot of credibility and made an easier pitch to investors. The Roan Innovation Venture Fund this summer grew from $5 million to $25 million to support business startups throughout the region. Ultimately, Lombardo said he and Jahan Bakish raised about $1 million in the first round funding for Half Day. Tickets are available for Roan University's fourth annual National Dog Show Therapy Dog Symposium, a day-long event for therapy dog handlers, healthcare experts, researchers, and people who simply love dogs. The program, from 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Wednesday, December 7th, takes place in partnership with the National Dog Show, which was broadcast nationally following the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on NBC. It will be co-hosted by National Dog Show hosts David Frey and Michael Pitch, assistant director of Rowan's Schreiber Family Pet Therapy Program. The symposium's lineup of speakers includes Dr. Rice Van Fleet, president of the International Association of Animal Assistant Play Therapy, along with professional dog trainers, veterinarians, and human health professionals. Pitch, who began the symposium in 2019, said it returns to the Enon Ballroom in the Chamberlain Student Center on Rowan's Glassboro campus this year as a hybrid in-person virtual event. Tickets are $50 in-person, $25 to attend virtually, and $25 for students. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Beginning with the NFL, let's discuss the results of the 2022 Thanksgiving games. Opening with the first game of the holiday, the Bills and Lions faced off in a chippy battle that resulted in a 28-25 win for the Bills over Detroit. With Buffalo's win, they improved to 8-3 on the season, which is currently tied for first place in the AFC East with the Miami Dolphins, who currently hold a five-game win streak. Following Buffalo versus Detroit, the quote-unquote Beckham Bowl took place in Dallas, Texas, with the Cowboys edging out the New York football giants 28-20 after a monster day for Micah Parsons and the Cowboys' run game. With this win, Dallas still sits behind the 10-1 Eagles in the NFC East with a 9-3 record overall. And last but not least for the Thanksgiving games, Minnesota and the Vikings traveled to New England, set for a battle with the Belichick-led Patriots. This matchup provided to be much better than anticipated as both teams combined for 59 points in the night game, leading to a Vikings win, 33-26. Odell Beckham Jr. begins his free agency tour this week with stops set for the New York Giants, Buffalo Bills, and Dallas Cowboys, among other possible anonymous suitors. Lastly, Deshaun Watson makes his debut with the Cleveland Browns this week against his former team, the Houston Texans. Watson will play a regular season game for the first time in two years since his trade request and sexual misconduct allegations were filed. And reportedly, 10 women involved in the sexual misconduct case will be in attendance at the game on Sunday as a statement from the women and their attorney, Tony Busby. Switching to the MLB, the rich have gotten richer as the 2022 world champion Houston Astros signed 2020 AL MVP and former Chicago White Sox, Jose Abreu. 
Abreu, who is entering his age 35 season, batted 304 with 75 RBIs and 15 home runs in 157 games played last season. The Astros signed Abreu to a three-year, $58.5 million deal in the hope that he can solidify the designated hitter position until at least 2025. And lastly, let's check... Switching to NBA news, let's take a look at the history Devin Booker recently made. In 31 minutes played and exactly three quarters played, Booker was able to drop 51 points on 20 for 25 shooting from the field, 6 for 7 from the three. Truly an outstanding night in which Booker didn't even play the fourth quarter. And in other news from around the league, the former Eastern Conference champion Boston Celtics of 2021 have re-signed big man Al Horford to a two-year $20 million contract, hoping to solidify the center position for at least another few years. Check in on how the U.S. men's soccer team is doing in the FIFA World Cup. This past Tuesday, the U.S. defeated Iran 1-0 behind a gritty and painful Christian Pulisic goal in the 38th minute of the match. With this win, USA advances to the round of 16 set for a battle with the Netherlands today, Saturday, December 3rd at 10 a.m. With that being said, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. The market is closing mixed ahead of Friday's jobs report. The release of the jobs report Friday will give investors a better look into the Federal Reserve's plans in changing monetary policy when it comes to fighting inflation. Wednesday, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said the bank will start slowing down the tightening. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 194 points to 34 to 395. The S&P 500 fell by 3 points to 40 to 76, and the Nasdaq rose by 14 points to 11 to 400 82. Netflix is one of the day's biggest gainers, climbing up over 3%. Etsy also added over 5% in Thursday's session. Meantime, Dollar General was one of the day's worst performers, shedding more than 7%. There are more signs inflation may be cooling off. The core personal consumption expenditures price index rose 5% from a year ago, as expected. The PCE is the Fed's favorite inflation measure because it excludes volatile food and energy prices. As for the October number, it went up by two-tenths of a percent. The figures are key for the Fed when it comes to making decisions about how to fight inflation. On that note, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said this week smaller interest rate hikes may be on the way. Former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried said he didn't try to commit fraud. Bankman-Fried made the comments over a video call during an interview with CNBC anchor Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times Deal Book Summit, his first public appearance since stepping down. He said he was shocked by what happened, adding that he substantially underestimated what the market crash could look like. The company filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection on November 11th after Coindeck reported irregularities in the company's balance sheets. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac is dead at the age of 79. Her family said she passed away peacefully after a short illness. She was a key contributor to the group's multi-platinum success during the late 70s, joining in 1970 before leaving the group in 1998, and then finally rejoining before the On With The Show tour in 2014. The band released a statement after her passing, saying, There are no words to describe our sadness. 
She was truly one of a kind, special, and talented beyond measure. Jay Leno is back on the stand-up comedy stage after suffering second and third degree burns in a garage fire. Leno performed in front of a packed house about two weeks after he was badly burned while working on one of his vintage cars. The 72-year-old suffered burns to his face, chest, and hands on November 12th. Leno was hospitalized at the Gerson Burns Center for 10 days and underwent two surgeries. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West have finally settled their divorce. The couple's split has been dragging on for the last year, as Kanye has blown through at least six lawyers and refused to sit for depositions. According to the new settlement, the two will have joint custody of the kids and will split education and security costs for them. Kanye will also pay $200,000 a month in child support. Will Smith says he lost it in his first major interview since his Oscar slap of Chris Rock earlier this year. In an interview on The Daily Show while promoting a new movie, Smith said it was a horrific night. Smith added that nothing in his past justifies his behavior at all. Will Smith also says he understands fans who refused to watch his new film, Emancipation, after his Oscar slap earlier this year. He told reporters his biggest concern is how it will affect the rest of those who worked on the film. He said he respects those who aren't watching the movie because of his actions. Billie Eilish is set to headline Prince William's upcoming Climate Change Awards show. The happier-than-ever singer will take the stage Friday in Boston's MGM Music Hall as five organizations will be honored with the Earshot Prize and $1.2 million to help fund their green initiatives. The ceremony comes at the end of the Prince and Princess of Wales three-day trip to the U.S. It has recently been announced that Disney Plus is set to release documentaries about BTS and one of its members, J-Hope. BTS Monuments Beyond the Star will follow the journey of the pop supergroup as it rises to worldwide fame. The series will look into the daily lives of BTS members as they move toward a second chapter. The Weeknd is helping to combat world hunger as he continues his tour into 2023. He aims to donate proceeds from the performance at Exos Humanitarian Fund in partnership with the UN World Food Program. The Blinding Lights singer already presented a check worth $5 million to the program this week, with some of those donations coming from a combination of corporate sponsors and revenue from U.S. shows. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.